imagining your world as just being one large visual field. Sometimes it's what's happening right in front of you. Sometimes it's art. Sometimes it's you thinking about art. And oftentimes it's it's us thinking about politics and 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 like Trump and Sanders and these characters are in front of our faces a lot. And that's what I'm talking about with hyperrealism. Darwin. You're gonna say, oh wow, Darwin's trolling me. Because Dude, free speech deserves to be defended. Do you not believe in the idea of GDP and aggregate demand? Yes, you are a hundred percent wrong here. I know you don't like I'm it. Telling you, I'm telling you to start thinking about reality and not what you want to be true. Welcome to Lofty Darwinism. Um, we are we're back in town for a, a, a more updated conversation about art, culture, politics. Um, Matt, I just had you glance at uh, at like my list of fifty. What 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 are you what are you thinking about art these days? You know, like because I've been thinking about it a lot. Well, we've it's. I'm thinking a lot about art because I've been diving into the things I care about. But it's, I mean, it, art slash entertainment slash politics all kind of comes together. But for me, it's been, where do I want to, as we discussed in the last podcast, like, where do I want to spend my time? I mean, I think I just no longer conceptualize things as art. I, I watched a, a video about KFAB in my class the other day, in a classroom on YouTube, so I was just searching stuff to talk about and think about with these kids. And, and it's a, a company called Wisecrack. I really like that does great breakdowns of things, but KFAB is like wrestling where you think something is, re- do you know what KFAB is Darwin? Just so whether I'm explaining. So KFAB is like wrestling where, you know, it's obvious it's, it's fake. But some people believe that it is real and you act as if it is real at all times if you are in the world of wrestling, right? You never reveal that it is not fake, right? And that it is not, that it is just a game. And then some people really just do believe it's real, even though you know it's fake, right? And it's called breaking KFAB and it's a whole thing. And it kind of explains a lot of reality that we're going through now. And it's different from satire, which we've had a long discussion about. And they even use Colbert as an example of satire, because it, it, it's never, it never reveals the joke. It never, it, it, it can't reveal the joke. Um, and, and, and so like, that's the most recent thing I've thought about art is like a form of like, is that where we're at with everything? And like, then what does that mean for our art? You know, like, well, it's living art, you know, like yeah. it's, it's, it's living the art uh, yes. on, on a certain level and uh, the blend of art, you know, like Heather and I, we just like rewatched. Oh, hold on a second. Fucking vacuum cleaner. <laughs> Heather and I just watched like d- did like a full rewatch of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like, wow. did you ever watch Buffy all the way through? Yes, we did uh, multiple times. We've even discussed it on a podcast. You forgot that we had a whole Buffy podcast. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I definitely knew we had the podcast, no, no. but I just couldn't remember. I watched every, I've watched every episode all the way through at least once, probably twice. Became obsessed uh-huh. in high school and a bit in college, but mostly at the end of its run in high school, and then all of Angel, and the end of the Angel run. So no, I've appreciated Buffy, but yes, keep going. Sorry. So, so you know, like. When I'm doing this this list of, of 50, it's it's reminding me of Buffy because I took a seminar on Buffy and I wrote 
critically because it was assigned in the seminar about an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And it was the, from the sixth season called Normal Again. And this is a spoiler. Maybe go forward like a minute if, if you've not seen Buffy. But Matt, in Normal Again, that's the one where she's like in the psych ward and everybody's telling her like, you got to get out of this, this like vampire world. And if you come out of it, like if you kill all your friends in your vampire world, you can come out of here into the real world where your parents are still alive, where you're happy. You don't have like the pressures of adulthood. Do you remember that episode at all? I do remember a bit of that episode. For some reason, it's sort of bleeding into the heaven episodes. Where was it in the story arc? What season wise? Yeah, it was like in the, it was in the heaven episodes. Okay, near the like, okay, so like, yeah. So it's, yeah, sixth season, like right before Willow goes, goes fucking nuts. Okay, right? yeah, yeah. Um, and basically I wrote about it from the perspective of like hyper realism and hyper realism. Have you, have you ever heard of hyper realism, yes, Matt? Have. Yes, I have. Okay. So like it's a, Explain a, it a French philosopher, David Baudrillard, uh, basically, I think he wrote it in the 1950s, maybe the 1980s, somewhere around there, but it was critiquing modern media consumption. And he kind of highlighted the, the uh, like you know concept of Disneyland you know like if you go to Disneyland and you're in, like this hyper real space and he talks about it from the perspective of like going into this world of like you know there's like fantasy but it feels more real to you than the real world and that that's kind of like what Buffy's like like in that episode Buffy's going through this like hyper realism crisis where her actual world is feels like a fantasy to her and the fake world feels like it's real. So it's an inverted hyper-realism thing. But that's something that I've been thinking a lot about whenever I watch that in terms of like modern art. It's like how real are our real lives compared to these sort of virtual avatar lives and like consumption lives that we're feeling. It's like you talked about wanting to live in the world it's it's about like what relationship have you got to the world versus to your own life? Is art more real to you than real life? There was for sure parts of my life where that's how I lived, right? Like I was, um, I was into binging before it was it was my escapism. It was pure escapism, and I don't even view it as. I mean, and, and like I, I justified it by thinking I was learning, and on some level I was. I was thinking about how the writer, and I wasn't you know conceptualizing like you were conceptualizing. I was just thinking sort of on dynamics level, right? Uh, you know, a script is a you know a theory of a game on some level of human interaction and dynamics, even though it's not real. It's a model, and you know, and I and I just justify it that way. And I also it was a way something I could control, and I liked it. And it was escapism because I wasn't happy with my life at the time necessarily in college, or you know, whatever was going on, right? And mm -hmm. so I could binge into hours on on DVD uh, shows that I liked, and you know, before we had Netflix. And like my, yeah. and, and so now as we, as everyone seems to have caught up with that bad, bad behavior, um, <laughs> it's like, it's a little like I, I'm sort of tired of it. And, but I also, yeah. Matt, yeah. I remember you watching like Dawson's Creek oh, on yeah. like the bus oh, yeah. on, the, on the, on the ride down to debate tournaments. Probably. Like you had like a little, what, like I, it wasn't even a laptop back then, right? It was portable like a portable DVD player, right? Like <laughs> that, and you had like your Dawson's Creek 
like stack right you know so yeah you you did know how to like i i was video games is what i've talked about like i didn't play i didn't binge watch shit but i binge played shit you know like i was constantly i'd go home like play starcraft you know just like constantly you know like right. just like disappearing into the world of video games for me right, right? you know it's just like it, it's it makes sense you know like like the the, the world of that the, that's been tailor-made for you that you're paying for this art it it's it's like it's a sensical world. It's it it has meaning to it. It has a point to it. It has an like an end moment. And it it's not a particularly like the, like the the concept of hyperreality is that like when you exit hyperrealism, you're depressed, right? You're depressed because you're not living in that world. Like James Cameron, his wife Catherine Bigelow made an amazing movie called Strange Days, in which you can relive old moments that have been implanted into you um like you've recorded them you know like through your eyes and 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 then you can like relive those moments and then he went on to make avatar which was like a hugely like hyper realism was the theme of that movie and then there were conversations about people like getting depressed because they couldn't visit that everyone wanted that right do you remember this yeah dude like that was a real syndrome people really were like dude why can't i live on a freaking nature world and like have crazy ponytail giant blue person sex i mean people were weird about that it was a thing for sure um, but yeah, I would like right? to ask you have, I would like, but Darwin real quick I would like to introduce you to a, a product called Simple Ricks um, <laughs> to just case you know come oh home God. to a taste of your own I just fucking watched the Snakes episode oh my god like so like, good uh, that was like I feel like that and the heist episode are both in the running for like best episode of Rick and Morty. Like, and and Rick and Morty just has so many episodes that I feel that way about, but they're still going strong. This, like the, the fucking snake jazz. The snake was, jazz. <laughs> snake jazz. <laughs> like, yes, guys, we all went on a crazy tangent here, but again, because these things they live in us and they live between us darwin the they're they're kind of Mm -hmm. emergent systems they're emergent universes that like our connection between us all and on some level that's so much more important than it ever has been before as the monoculture dies as the family unit you know falls away a little bit like being i have a i love this podcast called binge mode and it and right now and they did harry potter and they did game of thrones and now they're in star wars right and I love all three of those universes. And I love hearing these people uh, talk about, you know, about these going deep on stuff I don't know. And then I like the Facebook group where I get to talk to these people and, you know, post stuff and funny baby Yoda memes and all that sort of crap. And like, it's no, I, I, I could put it in my, its place, but like, it's, it's definitely enjoyable. You know, and it's mm-hmm. and like it. You know, I mean, people take it so far with certain, with certain. You know, and especially if the world is big, the deeper you can go, right? Like, why are Star Trek fans so crazy? It's because like that is a deep universe. That is a you can go years into that universe if you go into all the fiction and all the you know TV shows and all the movies, right? Like, that's a deep universe. Mm-hmm. And why? What like why do you enter that universe in particular, Matt? Because like I, I and and I, and I want to kind of pose I this Star against Wars another more than question. Star Trek. I did Star Trek as a kid, um, and I still sometimes like Star Trek. But you could go, to, but like I, you know, Star Wars. I would say I like more than Star Trek right now, 
and I haven't watched Star Trek in a while. But if you go back to uh, Next Generation, it's still solid. Like, it's still really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the Next Generation, like, the, the movies, like, like the, the what was that, Last Contact? Um, that was a great fucking movie. See, you see, you're still a movie movie guy. guy. First, first contact. uh, See, you're even even the show. I I I I did watch a lot. But conceptually, this is interesting to me. No, but I want to explore this a little bit. You've always been a movie guy, and I have always been a TV show guy. And I understand that like peak movie is like better, and I get that. But like, I guess I always enjoyed living in the worlds that TV naturally builds because of the time you spend with the people, right? And, you know, I guess that's sort of where, you know, we talked about last time, where do you want to spend your time? Who do you want to spend your time with? Is the only valuable time in the world, Darwin, with real people? It's all gradients, you know, right? Because like, here, here's a gradient leap to the real world. Like, what when you talk about works of art, another thing that you could consider, and I have complex thoughts about this, is the medium that we're in right now, podcasts. I came to First Class Reels. I was trying to find someone to do my reel for me. The reason I wanted to get my reel done was because every like, agent I'd run into or manager would be like, so can I see some of your work? And I'd be like, I don't have a reel. When we were done and I sent it out to people I've been networking with and I got an agent out of it. And right now I'm talking to a manager after they've seen my reel. So it really was bang for my buck. Like I got exactly what I wanted. So first class reels, do it. You will not regret it. Trust me. Like is a good conversation art? Like, so if it's just, would, like, would somebody listen to this conversation and, and p- draw a circle around it and say, wow, this is one of the top 50 works of art of the decade. Like, like just, just what they're saying to each other, just so fucking dope that it's like, we got to put it on the list, you know? Uh, <laughs> like, I will that- tell you that there, are, there have been two-person, two-man conversation podcasts that would make that list, right? Like, Joe Rogan could have done a couple of them. My friend, the guys I like at, at, at the press box who do something sort of like what we do here. I like there was one called Damage Control. Like, it can happen. And it does hit art in the sense of it hits a heightened level of self-expression reaching towards some sort of truth, even if it doesn't know the truth it's reaching towards, right? And it shows it coming out of it. Um, and it kind of comes... And, and also because we miss it in everyday life we're not having long form conversations yeah but so you're you're living with with those people but like those people don't know you like you're not interacting with them you're not actually like like the the nerves in your eyes are not reacting as though a human being is looking back at you you know so you're not having that experience you're ha- you're not having the experience of smelling of a human being or touching them you're not having experience of them knowing you and and you understanding but like but you sort of get some of that experience through social media you can tweet at these people you can you can reach out to them you can you know like make a youtube video in in connection to them it's like as we kind of like export our social lives to this media world we we the the concept of hyper realism becomes like an important topic because here here's the question i have for you matt to what extent are you evaluating the world around you from the perspective of how politically important it is to your own personal vision for the world and for society and for yourself? And how much are you viewing it from the concept of aesthetics alone, right? So if something is good, if, it, if, you, if you think this thing is like just 
good in a way that I can't even describe. It's not just like interest. It doesn't just like move me from here to there, but there's some extra aesthetic quality to it that makes it extra special to me. Like, like, are you, which of those fires more for you? Just like in terms of like what motivates you? I'm not sure they're that separate sometimes. Um, well, I, I'm in a process right now where I, I feel myself separating them more. Okay, you know, like, I so, like I, I think I, it's, I, it's like, an, I'm not it's sure. It's a project but, for me. Okay, so, um, and I just, well, and I, and I shouldn't say political, you know, being the part that I can somewhat shave out because I think part of it is that we should just be far less certain about the policies we want to enact, but far more willing to compromise, try, and be honest. So, like, that's a different conversation for another time that we've probably had before. But like, yeah, like I, I, you know, like uh, we were talking about a podcast and even Joe Rogan, like he creates a universe in the real world for people to live in that is different from well, like, and that, because he literally is like, you know, here's what I do. Here's how I work out. I do jujitsu. You know, I'm, you know, I listen to all sides. Like the fact that he was trending today for sort of endorsing Bernie Sanders by saying, I think I'll vote for him is, is, you know, and people were like, why do people like Joe Rogan? It's, well, because Joe Rogan, and me personally included in this, gave me a better vision of what it could be to improve my life. And as I was on my journey of weight loss and self-discovery, Joe Rogan was super useful to that. Well, here, here's actually, uh, I had Joe Rogan in mind when I posed this question to you, Matt. So yeah. let's, can we actually talk about Joe Rogan for a moment? Because I actually was listening to a lot of Joe Rogan recently and I listened to the one that is now got getting him or into like I don't know I, I don't know if trouble is the right word but just like you know into like a media uh, like just moment right you know like yeah so I I listened to the one with Barry Weiss and I you know you're listening to them and and the way that conversation unfolded was Joe Rogan was like, do you like any of the Democrats? And Barry Weiss responded with, I like Andrew Yang's energy, but I don't know that I agree with any of his ideas. And, <laughs> Joe, yeah, and, then, right. and then she turned it back on to him and, and, he, and she said, you know, who do you like? And he, was, and he said, well, I like Bernie because he's always been consistent. And like both of these answers for both her and for him – were, were, they were more aesthetic commentary than they were political commentary, right? Like they, they're they're responding to. For her, she likes energy. Not it doesn't mean she's going to vote for him, but but that was the first thing that she said. And for for um, Joe Rogan, it's it's again, it's kind of like he he's he's Bernie is winning like a a. a a, a version of the primary, which is like the aesthetics primary. It's like people like his energy and it's even getting him into this weird moment where a lot of conservatives are tweeting the same like points and the same shit about like the Bernie Warren dust up as a lot of the far left are. And it's like, it, it kind of goes to the horseshoe theory of on some level, there's an aesthetic overlap between like the extremes and mm -hmm. the extremes are both rejecting like hey we don't want identity politics to like undermine like our concept of what's right and what's wrong in this case it's almost like your 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 it's hard to evaluate these moments 
purely from the realm of like what makes sense on a political sheet of paper you know well, like it's it's an aesthetic conversation it's an emotional conversation yeah go ahead and, and all of that is true and we're making it, and, it, and on some level when you think about it and you say it out loud you say well that's just more dishonest or it's not as good or yada 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 and, and we do and there are real problems to being emotional about all of these things right and we all are but there are just as big a problems to believing that you're not right like and to believing that you reason any other way, like the point and we've gotten away from it is to acknowledge, as we've talked about our biases and work and to work and to account for them, you know, to know whether they're the thing you want the, to whether they're the thing you should you should allow to be come forward or to not. You know what I'm saying? Like, but we've lost any of the subtlety in that conversation. Right. We've turned an infinitely complex world into binaries and infinite binaries yes or no's which makes sense because we have binary computing like that is running everything and so eventually i think the framework makes us as well and so even though we live in this infinite complexity around us we still look for this kind of yes no certainty that becomes more and more absurd and so saying that we're driven by our emotions is actually not as absurd as it sounds because like your emotions are all your past experiences weld into one moment projecting onto the present do they make them correct no but they're like wisdom in them and understanding in them and like you know there's stuff there right so like but like it's we're not allowed to be complicated in an infinitely more complex specialized world and and that is troubling well, it's also like, to what extent can a quality that, that, that makes you feel something shift your beliefs that you f feel are deeply held, you know, like the political ones? And I, I think that's kind of like the constant question in politics. And Matt, you're, you're a political consultant. You know that politics is, is emotional, right? Oh, it's, yeah. I mean, you're, you should, you're appealing to emotion first. You are not, I mean, here's the thing. Even the people who say they're appealing to reason first, reason first have emotioned their way into believing they need to hear reason first, right? And they get emotional when they don't hear reason first, right? It's still an emotion. It's still your emotion tells you, I'm expecting this. This does not happen. I have X reaction, right? And that's so in everybody who thinks they're rational or irrational, we, you can't control that first emotion. You can't, you don't control that first emotional reaction. It's just so. And but isn't it so f funny that in, in this emotional world, we fight each other and we land on the same place. Like that's what's so funny about the Joe Rogan stuff. It's like, you know, Matt, you and I, like, we had, like, this big disagreement, and Walker was on the podcast, you know, my older brother, and we were, like, we were all disagreeing from various perspectives about, like, the impact and importance of cancel culture. And now, to me, this is, like, a moment where, like, Joe Rogan is, like, exhibit A of complaining about cancel culture, but then he ends up politically in alignment with 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 walker <laughs> you know like even though they're both like like locking horns on these specific minutiae and saying you're the problem but then like they both end up supporting the same 
political agenda. Isn't that like just like what? How, how do we make sense of those emotions? Again, because we come down to a limited number of choices. Uh, and, and the truth is like we don't really know it. So you kind of you, you end up in a limited number of places. And like we live on a we live on a globe. So sort of all lo- roads can end up to those same places. But like it reminds me exactly of. I was listening just now to the today's, uh, this is uh, Friday's, um, the daily podcast by, um, the New York times and it's the New York times daily that comes out. And they were talking about the issue that quote unquote could swing the election. It's how fracking in Pennsylvania, um, is a big deal. And like union voters who would literally be aligned with Bernie have to wonder like, Hey, cause like Elizabeth Warren and uh, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie are going to do away with fracking that they're in line with, you know, Joe Biden and trying to sort this out. But at the end, the most telling part was asking, because it also went through environmentalists who were just for Bernie or just for Warren who were for banning fracking. And they're like, at the end of the day, if Bernie is, if, you know, if Biden is a nominee, are you going to vote for him? And they're like, yes. Right. They're all essentially like, begrudgingly, I might not do as much, yada, yada, yada. Yes, I'll vote for him. Most of the anti-Warren and Bernie people said they'd probably vote for him because honestly they agree on everything else, but if they're going to ban fracking, it's going to screw their life up. Right. And so you don't <laughs> well, vote hopefully, on one hopefully, thing. Hopefully like the coalition will disabuse them of that insane position. I, 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 I do not understand anybody who wants to ban fracking. Like I feel like it, it sounds good on paper until you think about it for five seconds and you realize that banning fracking would be the single dumbest thing we could do from virtually every standpoint from climate change and environmental standpoint it's bad but it's not as bad as oil or coal especially which is the real choice that we have number two it also completely absolves us of needing to rely on saudi oil which means we're going to be like less in like a bernie sanders who's not like sucking up to saudi arabia like if that presidency excites you, guess what? That's the universe in which we are fracking the shit out of this country okay, and therefore fine. no longer have to rely uh, on I, I oil. Is, that, is, is all of that, Darwin, going to mean that if Bernie got the nomination, you would vote for Donald Trump? I would never vote for Trump. Right, and here's the thing: like all these people, these environmentalists are like, like I could see myself like voting third party, but like you know, I'm more just trying to sway the Democrats at this point because, like, I you know, I. I mean, look at look. Turn the news on. <laughs> you know, it's like like who who can watch that and not like the fucking impeachment hearings and not come away with like yeah, Trump he did, did like like he if did you it. don't think he, that just, he did it, you are you, like he Judge obviously did is, it. <laughs> Judge Napolitano is the only one on Fox News who's like, look, he freaking obviously did this. What are you all doing here? Right, and this goes back to kayfabe, and like this goes back to a conversation I've had with someone who was one of our guests one time, who talked about like, and, and and I think Ben is talking about this. Like, the conservatives were playing what they called the game before the 2016 election, right? When you're trolling the libs and you never admit to what you're talking about, it's what Roger Stone does all the time, right? It's how Roger Stone lives his life. But then some people don't know that it's a game, right? So like, like. So when I'm worried about people misunderstanding Stephen Colbert, people are taking the truth that some people misunderstand Stephen Colbert and making it that person's reality, right? 
Can, can, I, can I offer you like a, an olive branch on this issue? I'm moving on like, to two because I think I was wrong. I'm trying to also try to move off this idea because well, I think okay, there's more okay, to it. Let, in a let me way. reframe it. Like it's to me, it's less that they don't understand the game, and it's more that they like that it's a game. It's more that they don't care. Like it's inconvenient to care because well, Trump Trump there's all is, levels. Like, there's all levels. Like if you're a leftist, if if. If you if you're liberal, you know, like if you if 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 you go out, you hang out with like all like the cool lefty folks, and and and, and that's your thing, then you have a lot of culture that agrees with you. You can turn on Samantha B. You can turn on John Oliver. You can turn on The Daily Show. You can turn on Democracy Now. Like there's all sorts of an apparatus that supports that. Like the only conservative show is like. Fox News and Infowars and like these weird YouTube guys, but really the the real show, if you're conservative, is Trump. Like Trump's your show. Like he's he's funny. He's exciting. Do you think he you should stop saying conservative? Or like, I mean, yes, I do actually because I do like actually. Okay, so later on down the list, Matt, like I have more political. Like I've already done one political one, like the Dave Chappelle stand up. I think was like a very political choice, but not by no means the most political choice I have on there. And like, I, this is again, like I get back to aesthetics, like what's interesting? Cause I have political commentary from the left and political commentary from the right on this list. Like I'm like, I feel like you can make interesting content coming from any direction. You should, but yes, you have to, to quote Chris Rock, there's some stuff I'm liberal about. There's some stuff I'm conservative about. Like if you don't like to like, to believe that you should be only on one side of everything is wild. Like we have a problem that we live in the world's most inconsistent, incoherent place. And yet we sometimes just demand consistency in an incoherent world where it's like, you know, you have to think about it. You know what I mean? And it, and it all changes and it all has more context than you could ever know. But nah, there are 90 seconds at most on a cable news show. We've got it all summed up. I've been, I've been getting into like, you know, like the Sam Harris waking up app. Right, you know, like like meditation and stuff, and I love Sam Harris for that. By the way, I highly recommend. Yeah, I, okay. I, I, I highly, re yeah, like it's 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 fifteen bucks a a month or something like that. But you can get a year free if you just email him, which is you know like like it, it's that's that's a really cool feature of it. And so you can like the way he describes meditation, I feel like it's so clinical that it really is supportive of just like the concept of experience. And one of the things that I feel like has been like jumping out at me is like just the concept of the visual field, right? Like, so if you're thinking about something, like really try and physicalize it. Like you, you've got this image, like we're talking about Bernie Sanders. You've got this image of Bernie Sanders right in front of you, right? You were talking about Trump. You've got this image of Trump right in front of you. And you're genuinely like physically not looking at what's right in front of you. You know, like, so, so if you take what, like, whatever, like your eyes are feeding you in terms of information and just look at that for a moment, like then your visual field shifts, you know, you are no longer looking at these mental images and, and it's kind of just like imagining your world as just being one large visual field. Sometimes it's what's happening right in front of you. Sometimes it's art. Sometimes it's you thinking about art and oftentimes it's, it's us thinking about politics and and, and, and like Trump and Sanders and these characters are in front of our faces a lot. And that's what I'm talking about with hyperrealism, Matt. It's like, how do you differentiate at some point the difference between what's out there and what's in here? And more to the point, 
how depressed are you when you leave society and return to your own life and you say, hey, man, I'm alone in this room. I've just been staring at my phone for the past 20 minutes, two hours, whatever, and I'm literally just sitting here and I'm doing nothing. And I'm, I'm, I'm feeding myself nothing, right? Like, like is, is that a shock to you? You know, like, it, it, that's, that's the question. Well, here's what I would, I would say. Now, yes, I still do this. But let's go back to the fact that I was starting to indulge in these behaviors as the attention economy was growing because we're old. And so the lie I've told myself, which I hope is at least somewhat true, is that as many times as possible, I'm trying to ingest something that makes me smarter, illuminates me, makes me think, which is why I've gone through 500-something audiobooks and all the podcasts I listen to and everything like that because, like, I don't live in as many individual worlds anymore, like, you know, like through TV shows. But I do think that I'm trying to test... Like, I think I can... like. It is so funny that you mentioned vision because if I couldn't correct my vision for, um, with contacts, I would be legally blind. Like I cannot see. And so I'm incredibly auditory. Right. So, and that, and so for me, you know, visual field is like the fifth thing I process. So I don't know whether or not like, and maybe that's why I see the world differently. Or, you know, is my, like, what I'm thinking yeah, through Yeah, I is, mean, for sure. Like, you you don't think you you have, like, a flash of an image across. When, when I say, you know, like, Marianne Williamson, you know, like, you don't have, like, an image of her pop in front of your face. No, that will, I have a very deep, my brain has a lot of imagery going into it. My eyes looking outward do not process the outside world. Um in you know because it's it, it is it is vivid a form right so my ears compensate for that when they're filling out the picture because all your senses are filling out the picture but I have very vivid pictures but I'm even but but I'm much better I have very vivid pictures inside my head it's just um but but my auditory when you talk comes about first. ADD it's like first of all I've heard that creatives naturally are ADD Matt like and I think you are a creative individual even if you haven't like you know created art. You are. I, think, I got very third place person. in the don't like in the non burn down the forest <laughs> art construction project in third grade and second place <laughs> for the weirdest Mardi Gras mask of my life in eighth grade. So I'll have you know, mm. I am a mediocre artist, but a war. The, the, the other thing about ADD is that, it, again, as Sam Harris likes to point out, like boredom is a lack of attention. And so you talk about this visual field, right? Like you talk about these like images that are flashing in front of you. It's kind of the, – the, the whole purpose of meditation is to be able to pay attention to that visual field so that you actually process it. Because – and again, like that – like number 50, like Mary Kondo, like, you know, like how much of this shit is just baggage that's rumbling, rumbling around in the back of your mind? Like to, to what extent are you actually like observing these thoughts? Because I, I guess the point is, if, it, if an image in, appears in front of your brain, right? If I plant an image, if I say potato, and you, and you, and you, and you see a potato in front of you, like it, within like a nanosecond, do you even know that that just happened to you? You know, that's kind of the question. Okay, like, no, here's, okay, well, then, okay, then that's exactly Observing the, your mind, you okay. know? Okay. 
yes, I do observe my mind and there are times when I need to meditate more, but the, the way I've shaped my conscience, well, okay, this sounds super weird, but I'm, I have realized that my unconscious processing is just so much faster than my conscious processing. So I very much try to put as much back there that can work and battle in and of itself with frameworks that I'm not consciously having to go through as, as fast as I can. And so my consciousness of it is important as it comes through, but really where I look for whatever I ingested is what comes out later and what I'm thinking through later. And so I, that's where, um, that's how, uh, that's just how I, how, that's why I am the way I am to some degree, at least as I explain it to myself, you know, who really knows, but that's sort of it. Uh, yes. It's been a while, but I've been. So in New York, there's an elevated rail line called the High Line that normally was a way of moving freight around, you know, manufacturing, you know, like moving goods and services, food, you know, like throughout the city that didn't compete with traffic, right? So it's elevated. And they turned it into a public park. And if you go on it, you are treated to one of the most majestic journeys of your life through like this futuristic city that's got weaving through plants and nature and art. And it's a way of like redesigning the modern city. And I, I think thinking about city is actually something that we need to do more because we're, we, Matt, you and I, we, we get on the phone, we talk, we're so often talking about national issues, what's happening, like turn on the news, who's ahead in the presidential race, like what do you think about politics and economics? But what's happening in your cities is a big part of your life. And it's teasing that out. And Matt, like Amarillo is has gone through a ton of changes oh, yeah. recently. It like what do you like like it, it it's aligning alongside I-40, which I think is both a great and bad thing, obviously. You know, like it's 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 killing a lot of the old culture of the city. But when I go back, there's still a lot it's thriving. There's a there's a lot of cool stuff happening. Like do you, do you feel like Amarillo has what it takes to like turn into a real city with like a real personality? Because I I I feel like it's very much like a, a it's, anywhere USA. It's kind of for place, sure not anywhere USA. Is absolutely a city with a personality. It doesn't. It's one of the most unique personality cities in the country. Whether you're trying to showcase so, it or so not. Oh, tell here's me about why. the personality of, well, of Amarillo. Here's 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 why. Yeah, help me it is it is a. Very okay. It's just so far from everything else, right? Like of any substance, right? Oklahoma City, which is only now becoming a city of any note, is three and a half hours away. Dallas, Fort Worth, you're looking at five to six hours away. Albuquerque, again, not that much bigger, uh, is four hours away. But there's stuff in Santa Fe. You get art community, right? You have the like, and so. Because of that, we become a hub here, right? And then you get the transportation coming through. And, like, you, you're, everyone here builds their personality off being, like, wildly independent, but yet is pulling stuff from the people around them, but also from the culture of the nation as a whole. Especially from when we were kids. Because, like, we, where we lived, like, we ingested, if you were watching the news or listening to the basic channels, like, the most basic diet of basic entertainment that America could have offered. And yet it's like Amarillo is, you know, it has some bit of keep Austin weird here. It has, you know, but like a tea partier's never won 
You know, it's, it's, it is, it's, it's all, it is by its nature and by its environment and by where it is, it is its own unique city. The question is, do we care to showcase it? And is that worth it? Well, how do you showcase it? Well, I mean, that's also a question. It's like, and also when you showcase it, do you risk becoming a parody of yourself? Right? Like if we go super Western, like we love the sob poodles, which is just great. That's not a parody of itself. If we go extra Western, you know what I mean? Or we decide that we're going to, you know, Adobe walls happen here. We start playing up all the Comanche heritage here, which, oh, by the way, was also a massacre. You know, like, uh, you know, we start doing all, like, would that change Amarillo? Is that worth it? Like, I think what you do here is you make, you keep investing in the public education system. You keep investing in more, um, in, in more entrepreneurship. And you try to get people to bring, you know, production here of sorts and like not old school manufacturing but like you know I, it depends on what you want darwin like it, do we want art community do we want you know or do we want to make something that we send somewhere else what do we want okay so so i guess two points number one i feel like culture is is gravitating towards amarillo like like finding what's interesting about it and actually describing that because we we've been like getting circled in pop culture for a while like breaking bad takes place in albuquerque uh better call saul takes place in albuquerque and he visits amarillo a couple of times um watchmen is centered around tulsa oklahoma which is pretty close to amarillo like i feel like we're getting there but, Darwin, but you're, okay. you're, here's can i just can i just show you you're completely right but you're missing in a very large blind spot it is the most mentioned city in country music like i think historically over time like and yes guess what country music is the highest selling music in the world or in the, in the United States, at least. I'm not sure if the world that's true, but in the United States, right? It's still the most popular type of music. Amarillo is a microcosm. No, I mean, I think in, country, in old school country is coming back. Amarillo is a microcosm of the country. Like we had the most refugees per capita in the, in the world. And even as the Texas governor said, no, we were like, hey, hold on a second. Can we still do this? Like we still thought we could, get, could hopefully have some because we have jobs and a place for people to grow up, right? Like... That matters. But we also have people who hate all of that, who want to yell about Trump and like that happens. And guess what? God bless. I don't know how we get past it, but we're going to have to, you know, like I still got to yeah. you know, I guess I got to live in that world, you know, and if, if this is all their elaborate jokes get back for all the times that we were smug. Okay. I'm sorry, but we got to get past this crap. The interesting thing in like, you know, like obviously in Breaking Bad, excuse me, in Watchmen, Tulsa is depicted as being like the center of racism. And it's not an inaccurate depiction. It may be currently. Because, well, I don't know. Here's the, it has a history. Here's the, the history interesting dark. point I want to make. So I wrote a script about Bob Wills, right? I wrote, I wrote about um, a, a, like, 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 do you know who Bob Wills is? Yes, we've all this whole, we've had this. Yeah, Bob Wills, Turkey, Texas, um, the country players. Uh, was it the? Uh... So, so in the 1920s, Texas saw a massive resurgence of the Ku Klux Klan, and they're like we were the hotbed of it. Like uh, um, in Dallas, Texas, that what, what what happened was the radio got invented and the radio player. 
And it just started to roll out. Like, I think in 1920, like, nobody had a radio player. And in 1930, like, 70% of the country did, right? And one of the first usages of that was, like, the mega pastor, you know, like, the person who's, like, you know, like, speaking out, like, you know, like, talking about, like, politics, like, hot takes, right? Yeah. And and the first iteration of that was, like, you had these mega pastors in Dallas, Texas, Tulsa, you know, like, just just sending out these like mass like racist you know like these immigrants are coming to take our jobs you know like like a a lot of like agricultural jobs disappeared in the 1920s especially texas got hit hard by that so they got hit by like the great depression kind of like a decade early right and so there was a lot of animosity then against immigrants as well but like the the thing i want to like catch here is that that was because it was the cities that were hotbeds of racism in the rural communities, you had an entire different culture that was being like, like it was like poor people, poor white people who were who were being forced to till the lands, you know, like like uh, like uh, pick cotton, do you know, do all the agricultural work alongside black people and you know, like like immigrants from Mexico, and it, it like it was a it was kind of like this enforced diversity, and around that time, like. The, jazz emerged in New Orleans, and I, I saw a quote somewhere. It's like you know, like it emerged because like when you're singing, like you're not fighting, right? Like it, it's like this kind of creative clash of cultures, and that's you know, like so Bob Wills invented Western swing, which draws heavily from blues music that he heard, and 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 actually like you know Mexican mariachi music. Like a lot of that is kind of like rolled into swing music, and especially Western swing music, and it, I think Amarillo embodies some of that creative vibe over the racist vibe that people don't understand like yes. those people in the rural communities they hated they they hated the the these these puritans in the cities as like like the suburban rich ki- kids I like agree. as much as the next person right you know and 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 that's like the legacy of bob wills and i feel like that's a lot of the legacy of like west texas it, it has this sort of like rugged individualism that like at times it can feel like racism, but a lot of times you don't understand it. Like, and people who live there get it. It's like it's it's like rebellion against like the elitists who are telling you they understand shit. And 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 included that is all like the finger pointing at brown people that Trump does. Like, I feel like Amarillo is immune to that on some level in a way that like people don't get. It's yeah. Well, it's it's, it, it's not immune, but it is far less prevalent than you would think. And even the whole area, there's a reason that no Tea Party challenger won in Texas in, in this area, right? There's a reason our senator is who he is, and our state senator is who he is now, right? Like that's that's not that's because this area is deeply institutional, um, and like and you know they build good public schools and you have decent public services even if it's minimal in most places and like you know and, and like things get done and yes there's some deep problems and some you know some ways they drew up the city and some services and history but like um and then those all matter and need to be you know fixed but like west texas and amarillo i think you know, it is, it's a special place to me. There's a reason I moved back. And, and I do think there's something very unique about here. Like, I joke about our businesses. The Amarillo way is to just figure out an idea someone has to do something, an idea someone's doing somewhere else, do it here before they get here. And then when they get here, beat them and make them leave. And like, and it, it's happened. It's happened before more than once. 
you know? And yeah. that's, that's yeah. Amarillo. But Matt, like one of the first records that Bob Wills ever produced was a cover of a song that was like written by a black woman, I think, you know, like, which of course, you know, like white guys co-opting African-American music. Like, <laughs> yeah, it started, started immediately. Yes. Elvis, but, you know, like, the, the it, it, like at the time, like, like considering like seriously, like one of the, like the nomination for democratic governor in 1924, I think in Texas was contested strongly by a, 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 a an outed ad, avowed mem, grand wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. Right. You know, so the fact that Watchmen is is looking at this and saying, you know, like, hey, look at this massacre that happened in Tulsa that nobody talks about. Yeah. Like like it was the Ku Klux Klan was alive and well. But so the, it's the idea that you're covering the song, you know, written by, like by at least for this black woman is it's pretty revolutionary. Like he came from a distinct culture from that that I think is. It's like you have your good impulses and your bad impulses. Well, like there's the, a perfect the, the creative impulse that Bob Wills, like you know, like uh, uh, embodied. That's what makes Texas well, a Darwin, really cool place to live. You, you know, what, like what makes Amarillo a really cool place. Well, and I, I agree. What you're thinking about as well, and I'm thinking you said it. You're it reminded me of LBJ, uh, and the and he. He, he grew up uh, well off and then poor and lived in this town. And then he became a school teacher to mostly Mexican children in South Texas, right? And was around poverty and around people who didn't look like him and understood it. And then when he got to office, even though he said stuff that if you just said it today would sound incredibly racist, what did he actually do while in office, right? He passed the Civil Rights Act. He passed, you know, the biggest welfare, you know, legislation, like the war on poverty. He went out and helped the people who knew he needed help with. And did he do it perfectly? No. Was it the best system ever? No. But did he put his money where his mouth was as far as this is the life I lived when I was coming up? And these are the people who need these services. And this is what the country needs now. Yeah. And he was also a jerk in a lot of ways and whipped out his dick in places he really never should have done like anywhere because like. No, but, but, but he also, when he got power, fought for those in some, in at least a couple instances for those who don't usually get fought for, because that's what Democrats did back then. And that's what someone from that background would do, right? Whereas FDR came from a nutrition background and fought for these people, right? Like LBJ fought for him and didn't come and went through both. He went through poverty and wealth. And I don't know if that, is that maybe because... That like the only reason people do that is like FDR knew what it like what what it was like to suffer because he went through polio right like he'd understand that and like LBJ understood what it was like to be poor and looked down upon like do you think we just have people hate on the poor because they've never been poor and don't think about it or like what is that but that's the question right so so if you read the highline article i kind of go into how like it it kind of spurred this gentrification effort that you know forced a lot of people out of the area right and it's kind of like what i what i'm what i'm talking about when you think about cities one of the aspects of living in a city is like how expensive is it to live there right and amarillo is obviously one of the least expensive cities you know of its size i think but um Still, like you, you, like you go to East Amarillo, you see a lot of poverty, 
man, like there, there's a ton of poverty. You go into the ref, those refugee camps, excuse me, not camps, wow, uh, but like, Darwin. you know, air, excuse me, <laughs> but okay. So you go to these refugee communities, you see poverty, right? You know, you see a lot you of see dilapidated housing. Too. You see generational absolutely, absolutely. poverty in Amarillo that is not fixing itself and is getting ignored. Right. And so you 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 one asks like okay so the highline brings in like i think it's 8 million visitors per year and okay so this was a you know you're you're talking about a a single file in a lot of areas art exhibit where you walk through this one thing and people were writing articles about how congested it was when there was 3.5 million per year. So, you know, this place is massive, you know, like, but that's because it's beautiful. It's amazing. And something like that can like enliven a city. It can bring resources to a city, right? Like, so Amarillo, it wants to bring new resources. Like if we ever got like, if, if sequester, if a sequester really happened, if Bernie Sanders gets elected, I, I tell you what, like Bell Helicopter, I could see that going away, you know, like not immediately necessarily, but, you know, without depart- DOD, you know, contracts, like uh, Amarillo's economy would Look, be, would take a big there's hit. There's a reason that, the, <laughs> I, there's a reason I support Gus Trujillo for, for our congressman. And I think that as he's a Democrat, but Mac Thornberry protected us and he's leaving. I think that Gus would be wants to be on if he actually makes it. It's a long. Sh- I mean, you know, look, it's Democrat in West Texas, but anyone who's going for that seat better be trying to get on the Armed Services Committee, Democrat or Republican. And if it's a Democrat, um, they actually will be likely in the majority, which means a lot more for protecting our area. And we need that done. It's important. It's massively important. You know, and uh, yeah. we don't think about it that way. Well. Well, it, but 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 that's the thing, right? Like, to what extent? Because Amarillo has some things, right? Like, it's got like the Cadillac Ranch. I think is like amazing. It's got, um, you know, like Wildcat Bluff out there is like a gorgeous little scenic circle. It's got, uh, you know, like the Sixth Street in Amarillo is pretty cute. You know, like I think I think it's got like like it's it's got barbecue. It's you know even I'm vegan. You know, I can acknowledge like you know it's, it's got it's got barbecue. Um, it's got the plains, it's got Paladura Canyon. You know, like Amarillo has a certain topography oh, yeah. that is absolutely unique. Completely and it's it's what can it add as a city to bring people together to be art, to 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 have a vibrancy well, because you know you, you think about like somebody like stanley marsh well, darling, that's right here. you know like the mural program has done a lot of this right now the open spaces program like at my you know i gotta shout out but like there that program in amarillo is beginning that process like we did have the largest open art project in the country under stanley marsh who has a much darker history we're not going to discuss on this podcast um but but like that's why people don't go down that road darwin Honestly, you know why I don't we don't push for bigger? I don't because like when we look at the last guy, it's like, oh, you know what I'm saying? Like he did a lot of stuff, and I'd be like, and that. So <laughs> yeah, but okay. I also, Mom City movement. happened here. Like, we had a major motion, like a, a, a bigger movie made about this area. Like Bomb City 
is a statement about what Amarillo is. And it's not the only reason artists come out of here. This area breeds art artistic people on some level because of its just nature of the area, I think. Not that everyone's artistic here, you know, but there are a lot of people. Where, where is the heart of Amarillo? Where, where, where is Amarillo? You know, you talk about like a walkable area. Like what, what's the best like walkable area? Honestly, dude, area? like, I mean, the neighborhood I live in in Bivens is about as walkable as some of them get. Like because of the boulevards, you can walk literally on the street. And you know this. Um, but like they're, they're starting to do bike paths. And the truth is because everyone has large homes, it's just a long way to walk places in Amarillo. And it's windy and people aren't used to it. So they're getting better. They've got a walking trail that, you know, used to be an actual, like, you know, down Avondale or down 10th and Plains. Like, they're doing a lot of that near my house and our area where you used to live, darling, like, but like closer to 10th Street and like making that. But it's also because it's a natural open area. It's also a lot of homeless people use it because they need a place to go to. So when you build, you know, these nice open parks and average people don't want to be around homeless people because we're because like we that's what we suck like we need to do something about this and not like kick them away which is some people's answer but because we don't want to deal with that problem when we build nice spaces it gets used by people that some people don't want to be around because we could have fixed that you know like and it's just a bigger problem so then the, then said well why would we need parks anyway you know what i'm saying and that's kind of think how it happens that's what worries me and that's why i i think we have to fight against that um, in Amarillo, especially, yeah. especially, I mean, LA, you've got to fight it's it like, too, I'm sure. How, how do you bring people to your area? You know, because I feel like Amarillo is kind of like teetering on the, the edge there, man. Like it's got such rich, like culture potential there, you know, like just like the land itself is so interesting. Geographically, it's really well situated just in like for so many reasons, but it's it's small and it's not really growing much, is it? No, it is growing actually quite a bit. We're over two hundred thousand now. The area you're is over, growing. You're over two hundred thousand. Yes, the area is yeah, actually like, growing. Like no, Amarillo Canyon. They're adding new high schools like to Canyon, and you got to think of it as like the area with Amarillo and Canyon together, right? It's not just one. Um, they are both growing. West Texas A and M. You get two new veterinary schools in Amarillo, Texas that are coming in. Like Amarillo is starting to be that sort of hub because it is incredibly well situated. Even though people think it's remote, it's just, it's remoteness is actually its advantage because it's remote in between things that it needs to be, you know, people need a place to stop. And, and, and it's just, I think it's, it's doing well. It just, it, I, I don't know that we get 50% of our tax dollars from tourism, man. We need to start thinking about industry a little more here. Like, I don't know what's going to make people want to take the drive to here, but, and we are going to keep working on that. But I also think we need to find something to produce here that the government isn't paying for. Um, right. and, and like yeah. there or a number of those things. And we do some of that, obviously. Um, Owens Corning and, and, you know, and that, but we, but Pantex and Bell Helicopter are, are the life's blood. Yeah. Yeah. They're, are they're a life's huge, blood. man. Like, obviously. And yeah, it's, well, it's, it's Pantex and it's cows, man. Like, I, I feel like, I feel like those are the two things that Amarillo thrives on. Remember when we sued Oprah? Yes. 
We also have oil and oil and natural gas and stuff. We used to have helium, but that's all gone. We used to be the largest helium field in the world, and it's all gone. Lesson. We, how how do you how do you monetize nature? Oh, we do it all the freaking you know, time. Like other, like, I, mean, like, I, I mean, I guess it's tourism, right? Yeah. You know, like it, you, you bring people and you say, "Hey, look, look, look." look I mean, the plague look, Texas cool, brings man. almost a hundred thousand people a year into the into the uh, at least, if not more, into the canyon, right? Like, like that sort of thing happens, and that is a bad ripoff of Oklahoma, but damn enjoyable to some degree. So, like, you know, it's 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 all possible, but I don't know. Life imitates art, imitates life, imitates we get through 2020, we'll see if there's a tomorrow sort of situation. I don't know. Um, like I, 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 and I just did, I don't know if this will end it on this note or, or not. As I told Lauren, I was like, if Trump does lose in 2020, he's just going to run again in 2024. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I worry about that too. I, I feel like. That, I, I think that will be, I think it'll be easier to defeat then in 2024 but like you know, if he wins, then it's like Ivanka or Donnie June. So who do you who do you choose? I mean, I hope it's Ivanka because I mean, I'm sure she'll be terrible. But like a more enjoyable, maybe less terrible, terrible. Uh, yeah, but let's gain this out, Matt. Matt, who are you thinking is going to win Democratic nomination? Um, let's just have that conversation real fast here at the end. I, I I'm 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 going to stick with Warren because of how I think the second choices actually will start going down, right? I know but a lot even of even in the aftermath of this latest Yes, dust, I think you're way like overreacting. Huge... You're so overreacting to the entire thing, people are going to forget it within like a week. Trust me, it's not that big a deal. CNN heard that she had talked to people like at some point like at a fundraiser, they got the story, they forced her to be honest about that she had said that and she had and then they dropped it on debate night for their own ratings because that's can what I, CNN can I, does. Can I offer you a, a my my argument as to why it will that you're you're wrong about that? Okay, like, I just I here, here okay because I think that this opens up two immediate questions, right? Like so so I'm not saying you're you're definitely wrong. Uh, you know, like she's obviously still got a big base of support. I know people who like her a lot. You obviously, I think you like her a lot. But he, here's the problem that I see. She unambiguously played the, the woman card in, in an identity politics, like full. But like, could you imagine in 2008 if Obama had come to a debate and said, Hillary Clinton told me that a black man can't win the, you know, the presidency. Like that would be injecting identity politics directly into the race. And that's what Warren did. And so not only did it really piss off a ton of people on the left, I think it also helped define why you wouldn't vote for her in the general. Like, I think, I think that makes it so easy for Trump to just, completely romp all over her. You, in you saying, imagine she's, she's not the identity politics. Like it, it seems as though that is, that is going to stick very effectively to her, especially after she did like the, the gene testing for her if Native American legacy there, or stuff. Like it, it's, it's, okay. it's a narrative. It, now. If it's a that story. was, if that was, if she was Hillary Clinton, yes, that would all stick to her. 
The thing is, she continues to debate, she continues to persuade, she continues to talk one-on-one, -on -one, and she continues to politic to people very, very directly, despite all the national media stuff. So I don't know whether she will win or not, but I do not think it will matter as much in the long term. And yeah, all that stuff could matter, but again, there's this giant sea of noise, and at the end of the day, like, the thing that I, I will be interesting to see is the 15% threshold in Iowa forcing people to have a second vote and where those people go and who pushes who over the line and how the narrative looks from there and how the party looks from that moment on. Um, because it is sort of like an instant runoff voting in Iowa for that particular position. After that, I don't know how it will turn out. Dude, Bloomberg is running some really good ads. Steyer is not going to win, but he's going to take some votes. Like Biden as a loser is a problem, but he's, you know, you know, I don't know what will happen. I don't know how, I don't know. I'm sticking with Warren, not because I think she has the highest odds, but because I think that the gameplay breakout is, is likely ended up in her favor, especially since she's down right now. It's all cycles. You know, Warren's, uh, Biden's in front, and then, you know, Sanders is now up front, and Buttigieg had it for a while, and Warren's in back, and Warren will peak right at the end or something. You know, it's just, I don't know how it all happened, but whatever we're thinking now, we will think differently in the future, and I'm just sticking with Warren so that that's not true for me. I could definitely be wrong. But, like, we started Warren years ago on this one. Um... And I, those things about her running the best campaign still hold true. Like, even with you the You think gaps. she's run the best campaign? Yes, because just what the national media narrative about you is does not equal, you, uh, does not equal actually running the best campaign. Like, per, persuading people in person, like, what she's doing, the way she's, like, I think she's run the best campaign. Now, she's had the most successful fundraising? No. She's done okay at that. She's like, but I think as far as nuts and bolts, when I look at a professional campaigner, given everything that's happened, she has done the best to me. Everybody I talk to is for Bernie. Okay, but you're in the middle of LA. I don't talk to that many people who are from Ber for Bernie out here. I really don't. Bernie should have won the California primary and he got cheated out you of know, it. You I, know, I, I still expect it to be Biden, trust me. But if it's not Biden... It's hard for me to imagine it being Warren over Bernie. Everyone I know is really into Bernie. Like I, I know people who are canvassing him for him out here in California. I don't. You know, know who the most annoying people in America are? Well, no, they're not the most annoying people in America. But like, never. Like, look, you know who? Like, again, I kind of like Bernie, and he's doing better in a lot of ways. And I would vote for him if he got the nomination, right? But Hillary Clinton wasn't wrong. When she said that nobody liked him. Now, a lot of people do like him now, more so, but he's not fundamentally likable by more of the party. And I don't think he's that, I don't think he's as many people's second choice. Now, I could be totally wrong. Um, but I still think he has more of a ceiling and he has a deep, and he has a solid floor, though. So if his floor works out for him, like, then he'll be fine. But I think he also has a ceiling. But if what you say is true, then I feel like it's going to be Biden. No, it may very well be Biden, but Biden could also screw this up on the way through, and that's why I think it. But like between be those two, Matt, would you would you like if if you were if if it came to Texas and it was Biden versus Bernie? Obviously, at that point, like who's who do you support in that moment? I don't know. I don't know. I don't like. But it's it's looking like that type of race, man. It's it, looking it, like that's right. 
It's looked like a, it's looked like a ton of races. It may be that race. I guess I'd vote for Biden, but I don't like Biden very much. There's things I like about Bernie though too. Like, like he is a true believer, but like, here's the thing that, that New York times podcast was clear about is like the never Biden, the never Bernie people are way stronger than the never, um, than the never Biden people. Like, I, and like, I'm closer to that camp myself, or I used to be. But then again, Bernie, for the same reasons Joe likes him, has kept being consistent. I can appreciate it, and that matters. So, you know, whatever. I just, I don't know how it'll turn out. I don't have any idea. I just don't think either of us are going to be correct. Why I think it'll change three times before we know what happens. At least. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. I think that it's a good place, but it's a good place to be right now. People aren't thinking about it. Like, honestly, as soon as it's one person, no matter who it is, we're all going to suck it up and deal with it. Like, and we're going to be fine. And like, you're going to be fine. And the left is going to be fine, Darwin. And like, the left will do, will fall in line. They always do, even if they complain, maybe they don't canvas as much, but maybe their canvassers annoy the middle more, and so whatever, who the hell knows, but they're not gonna stay home. The people we do worry about staying home are people closer to your persuasion uh, that would just sit it out, or vote for Trump, but probably just sit it out. If the if the, if the far left nominee just stayed far left through the general and, st and kept it there and dug in deeper and made itself worse, then I think that's, that is the argument is like assuming no one self-corrected and moved back to the center at all, like any other sensible nominee in the history of America has done, then they would be unacceptable to a larger group of people than Biden is. And I think that's a true calculus. I think I think that it is leading to a moment. It feels like it is Biden now. Like it, looking at the polls, looking at how it seems shit is gonna, like, you know, turn out. I, I think a betting man would say it's definitely Biden here. I mean, with, definitely with, strong with Bernie as a possible upset. But it seems like like because Biden's the one thing that none of these other guys are. He's Teflon, like. A thousand negative stories have run about him, and his he he hasn't gone down except maybe like a point or two in the polls. Like he's because there's been no he, reason he to survives like, negative stories. Okay, so here's like the thing: can't, okay. Trump can throw everything at him, and and he's got nothing. There's nothing not known about Biden. Okay, that's all. That's somewhat true, and so he could get that. But I think part of the reason he hasn't gone down in the polls. Is because there has, until somebody else wins a primary who's not named Joe Biden, the the squishy middle of the country looking for the safest choice is going to choose Biden and not move off it, because there's nine other options and none of them have made themselves like so good that they want to leave Biden. Right, the the people that are like not on the I need safest beat Trump route, like they've gone from Kamala to some of them have gone from Kamala to Warren to Buttigieg. Some to you know what I'm saying? There's a group that are like that, right? But the straight up, oh my God, just don't lose to Trump people. But I don't really know about all these other people, and we'll see what happens. Are answering Biden in all those polls? And the question is, will their answer still be Biden if someone else actually looks viable? Well, you know, look, 
I, I I would be remiss if I didn't mention him. Yang, you know, he he's getting those celebrity endorsements up fast. You know, Donald Glover has endorsed him. Dave Chappelle, Marianne Williamson, uh, John Leguizamo. Like you, you, you've got like you've got an actual contender here. I I think it sucks that he missed the last debate. I think give it another month and he would be like he would have like a breakout moment. It's hard for me. To see it happening now, but he 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 ran a pretty fucking good campaign. Like he, he ran a great way campaign. Farther he ran a great campaign. Ever deserved to? <laughs> I know? wish he would have. He, I think he would blast Trump into the stratosphere. I feel like he's Obama. I feel like he's he's got that charisma. He's got he's got what it takes. He's got the ability to like navigate the waters we're in. He's really good at speaking. He's just really good at speaking. At the, at the end of the day, that's what Yang is. He's very intelligent and good at thinking on the spot and describing the world in a way that reinforces his core message to like a slavish devotion. You know, like he's really good at that. I know. I mean, I, again, in the perfect world, and Yang is my choice. You know this. I'm on record for this. But like, I am also. We are like I'm not letting Donald Trump like Donald Trump defeating Donald Trump is number one, right? So like, why am I going to go piss off everybody? And this is what I'm trying to not do. I end up doing it anyway because we get in these stupid fights, right? But who cares, Darwin? If you think Bernie is too far left right now, or I think Biden is kind of a doddering old man who's losing it, or you know, if Klobuchar, whatever, right? Because the end of the day, if any of them wins this. I'm going to vote for that, right? Like well, all like, of them are better. Like for, for for Bernie it, again, it's like shit. Like wanting to ban fracking, like the, like it's one of many things. It's like it's shit like that. That's an insane position, and it's like it's not enough because at the end of the day, Donald Trump is just so fucking racist. Right? Like I can't ignore that. Like I just can't ignore it. Like the way he like his policies are just so fucking of like just like gigantically racist and it's so like like so that like i i can't live in a country like that but i also will say it strikes me as completely insane to want to ban fracking uh like it, it like if you're just saying it for political points fine i guess i could believe warren would be more cold-hearted about that than bernie Maybe true believer guy, you know, like, and so maybe Warren does have like a path to like, you know, be like the same type of like, you know, you may not like everything about me, but I'm going to fucking win and fucking govern and fix this shit. You know, like she could get uh, that energy. Behind she, her. Like, I could see it. I she's, a, she's a really good politician. Like, I right. feel like she has stupid. And everyone's in some deeply ways, scared. They're so scared that if she loses to Trump. It'll be like no woman can ever win and get one again because Trump beat two women, right? Like there is a deep fear out there about this, and that's well, why all that comes she's up. She's got to make a barnstorm to the center if she wins the nomination. Like Dude, she's gonna be like, I used to winning. be. You know how many times she's gonna say, I used to be a Republican. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. like, like right. I'm uh, sorry. Yeah. She's gotta, you forget she's about this. Pull that she was a Reagan. Like, she's time. not going to say shit in the primary. We know she voted for Reagan. She. You know why she's a Democrat is because she was a. I think businesses are being held back. Conservative. I'm going to end up studying bankruptcy because I think these businesses are getting cheated. And then she studies it and she goes, "Oh, that's not what's happening. They're screwing people." And like, 
began to realize that like there are reasons to be like a pro-capitalist conservative right but like you can't use that as a guise for screwing people and like that became the thing on the ticket i like oh no her Klobuchar one two punch man and this is my point is women are better candidates right now on average in my opinion because they just they work a little harder than dudes do like the bar is higher and like and 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 so like I, I think Klobuchar and her would be a great can or would be a great one two punch. Um, but it be it sounds weird because people are like oh two women on the ballot. It's like you know what America's going to suck it up and do it or you know or not. And it's not just about yeah, that because they're both they, good they, people. They don't want the fake like that. That's the thing that sunk Hillary because you know again Hillary blasted Trump out of the water in the popular vote. You know like it was just these these. These rural areas that looked at her and they saw phony. The rural they saw juror. somebody who said one thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I love Thirty Rock so much. I miss Thirty Rock. Like, I, I, I the, the fucking what, what's, what's the show on Netflix? Jimmy uh, Schmidt. Never. There were some close. That's okay. Rock. It's different, like, but they did. Oh it did god. have its moments. I disagree. It definitely had its moments for me where Timmy Schmidt equaled Thirty Rock, but I do miss Thirty Rock. A lot, but I would God, say, yeah, I miss yeah. Thunder Rock so much. I miss, I miss Alec Baldwin. Like, I, like if there's one thing, like the worst art of the decade on that list has to be the way that that Saturday Night Live used Alec Baldwin for Donald Trump because, like, he's the perfect Trump. But I feel like everything from his performances, his performance to the way they write for him is awful like i feel like he has been so not funny as trump and it's been depressing you know like i i want 30 rock alec baldwin back i mean it's been funny but i'm just over it just over it i mean i think i think kate mccannon as elizabeth warren is hilarious like is I think Bernie, yeah, oh yeah, and I think Bernie as as Larry David as Bernie yeah, Sanders Larry is David just the it. same person. Like it's just amazing. But no, um, uh, no, Kate McKinnon doing um, doing uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren is, is amazing. They're all I don't know. Well, I'm, I've got to get back to my wife and, uh, and 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 enjoy. But like this is the conversation we got to keep having about this. We'll keep having about art and keep going down the road because like. We got. We don't know about politics. We can talk about it, but like you or I, being angry with each other for what we think is going to happen in twenty twenty, just because we have anxiety about it, is not how I want to go down this podcast road. And I don't think that's what America <laughs> wants. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I, yeah, I got a I got a barcade to get to anyway. A barcade? Oh my god, you're so LA. To be fair, we have one of those here. Um, a what? bar arcade. Really? Where? We have a, it's called Lit. It's downtown. We have a bar arcade. Oh yeah, I, I got a birthday party. I'm invited to. This is an LA hangout, man. You know, like it starts at eight, seven thirty right now. Probably won't leave for another. 30 oh, I thought you only hung out in people's houses in LA. Late. Uh, yeah, it is a thing, but this guy lives in the valley, and valley people are gross. They're like – it's like if you took Amber Lane wow. in L.A., they'd be like oh, – Wow, dude. You know how many more Valley people there are than you? They will come after you. There are so dude, many more people valley in the Valley. Are Darwin, you are not even from there. You are like a carpetbagger. <laughs> 
And on this edition of Dude, the Californian, exactly. no one on is this from edition LA. of the Californian, like once you Darwin live in LA, the valley. Like everybody who moves to LA moves to the valley, and they quickly realize why nobody lives in the valley, and then they all move down down like south of the valley. And then they make fun of people who live in the valley. I so people, who, so real I people who are from LA, who are born and raised in LA, live in the valley, and all the transplants live outside the valley because they can't hack it. Oh, that's what I get. No, it's, it's more or less the opposite. Like if you live deep valley, that's another thing, right? Like if you deep in the valley, like casino and shit, like, like okay, that, then you're in your own like kind of world. But if you live in like Burbank or North Hollywood, you are a fraud and you need to get out of there and move to DTLA, Koreatown, West Hollywood, Venice. Like Just in case you didn't catch that acronym, people. downtown LA <laughs> for DTLA because, you know, we're just, I'm surprised you didn't say K Town. Silver Lake, Echo I'm Park. I'm shocked. Like, I mean, for, for, I'm just like, I mean, look, guys, if you guys need to know about the LA real estate market, you just, I guess Darwin is uh, starting a new podcast just about that. Um, is that what we're doing next? No, dude, like, Koreatown is like where all the cool shit is happening in Los Angeles. I have no, no doubt. doubt. That I, and, okay, that and Highland Park and DTLA. Like, the, like those three areas are like so cool right now. Like, like uh, Echo Park and sort of like are passe now. That's like the, 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 the uh, rents have Jesus. like quintupled over there like now it's just rich people who can live there so the the cool area is like highland park downtown but even downtown's gonna be off that list in a year or two you know like oh and oh my god like the homelessness crisis man like we gotta talk about that at some point i know you gotta go, go get, we like, will talk like, about the homelessness crisis in, in california skid row is fucking insane man it's worse than it's ever been yeah. awful all right on yeah, that uh, on that upward note uh, you know you know very positive note of going from uh, what's cool in la <laughs> to the homeless problem um lofty darwinism welcome back and uh lofty we'll see darwinism you soon out. all right <laughs>